right center net. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Yes, Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson from Post Media along with you on this Monday. Flames Talk, of course, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wes, let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. So, we know that contract talks are on hold. We know that the Flames and their pending UFAs are both in wait, like both sides, Flames, Craig Conroy and co, and the respective camps of the pending UFAs. Everybody's in wait and see mode, as they should be. I, I don't, if I'm a player, I'm probably, yeah, let's just see how this plays out here. I got lots of time. I, I want to see more as to how this plays out. And if you're the Flames, you're like, yeah, we got lots of time. Like, I don't think we need to be signing any contracts right now. So we know that's where things are right now on that front. But what about trade conversations? Are trade conversations being had right now? Are they underway? Are things behind the scenes starting to pick up? Well, this was Elliot Friedman on the latest 32 Thoughts podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, which was released on Monday. Just a a little nugget here from, from Elliot Friedman, which, you know, we always raise eyebrows to. I think they've begun to make their phone calls. Uh-huh. Just to see what the market is. I don't necessarily think anything's happening soon, okay. but I think they're making their calls. If I'm Edmonton, oh, I'm looking to make a deal that addresses my two problems. We're not getting enough saves, and everybody's going who's playing against us wherever they want to go. How do I do that? Okay, so most of that makes sense, Fridge. I don't know what you're talking about with Edmonton and making a trade with the Oilers. What kind of crazy talk is that? No, I kid. We'll, we'll get to that part a little bit later. But the front part where he says that I'm, they're making their calls and they're basically I'm, they're doing preliminary kind of background research and, and seeing what's going on. I don't believe the Flames have made any definitive call on where things are going. I don't believe that that management group has said, yes, we are. We're clearly it's time to retool. We're trading these guys. We also know they're not in, yeah, yeah, we're signing these guys and we're buckling down to try to get something done. As I said, I think truly it is wait and see mode. And and just from a flame side of things, that's the way it should be. But they got three strong trade chips on the blue line, which is specifically what Elliot was talking about in that clip. The three pending UFAs on defense. Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, and Nikita Zadorov. Those are... Those are three pretty strong trade chips. So just because they haven't decided what path they're going to go down, which I believe is to, I, I believe that is the case on November 6th, doesn't mean that you can't start doing your research as to how it might look if you decided to go down a certain path. 
And I would add to that in, in most cases here, you're probably circling back on the research that you did in the summer. Which it, they did do. Absolutely. Like they, they tested the trade market or, or gate, you know, they, they have a gauge on, on what the trade market for Anoa Hannafin was during the summer months, what it might have been for an Elias Lindholm, not a defenseman. I get it in the summer months. I, I'm sure they had conversations about Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov in the summer months. And so, yeah, it, it makes sense to refresh those conversations. My my biggest reaction when I heard this today, because we know, you know, Elliot Friedman is not the guy who's throwing spaghetti at the wall. When, when Elliot says something, there's a lot of credence to it. He is the best insider in hockey. And so... This was my initial reaction when I I heard some of this that came out on the 32 Thoughts pod today. This is what it's going to be like for the next (laughs) four months for the Calgary Flames. This This is a reality for the Calgary Flames. As long as those guys remain unsigned, this is going to be what it is. Whether it's coming from Elliot or it's coming from Frank or it's coming from you name it, this is going to be what the next three, three and a half, four months looks like for the Calgary Flames. So here's what I I think I know on the Hannafin front. As we mentioned, I think that both sides are like, yeah, okay, let's just take a step back, put it on pause. Not saying that we can't restart these conversations down the road, but right now we're both like, let's we're just gonna get a better lay of the land as to the way things are going. So they're paused on both sides. I do believe that there were trade discussions over the summertime because the belief over the summer was that the chances of Noah signing long-term seemed pretty low in the summertime. So naturally, I think Craig Conroy and co were doing their research and in seeing what type of trades are out there. My belief is, especially with Hannafin and and Lindholm's in the same boat, we're talking mostly about the defenseman right now, but my belief on the Hannafin front is that, look, they've got a price. I don't know what that price is, but I, I believe that they've got a price and they have basically said, this is what we believe Noah Hannafin is worth, and they didn't get offers that met that price in the offseason. And as Craig Conroy has said publicly many times, they're they're willing to go into a season knowing that certain players aren't signed. They're willing to slow play this. They're willing to be patient. And whatever the outcome might be, trade or or contract extension, they're willing to be patient and make sure that they do the, the best thing or the right thing for their group. So... I, I don't think that there was, well, obviously there wasn't a deal that met their price this summer. And I don't think that price has changed as we said, I think on June 6th and August 6th and now November 6th, what they believe Hannafin is worth is they have that at the same level. And so now, especially because it feels like what felt like optimism on a long-term extension may have turned to cooling off a little bit now it's now you go out and see if you can get a little bit closer to that price if that ends up being the decision they make well and this is why i say we're going to be having this discussion for the next four months because part of of that has to be 
then being willing to be patient, knowing that the prices are only going to increase as we get closer to the NHL trade deadline, knowing that the majority of suitors looking to add to their roster in any capacity are strapped against the cap. Basically everybody is pushed up against the cap. And so when I, when I sort of chuckle and say, how many times are we going to have this conversation between now and deadline day? I don't even know off the top of my head exactly what deadline day is this season. It's because this is going to be a reality for the flames. Yeah. If, if someone knocks your socks off with the offer for Noah Hannafin tomorrow, you'd be willing to pull the trigger. But so much of this is just the groundwork being laid for closer to the deadline. I I do not believe we're going to see a significant sales-type trade from the Calgary Flames until much closer to the deadline. Yeah, I, I believe they're making calls. Absolutely. Why wouldn't they be? I I'm sure they check that market often. I'm sure every time a defenseman goes down with an injury, Craig Conroy is going to phone and ask whatever rival general manager what their plan is to fill that guy's shoes and whether he'd be interested in a Hannafin or a Zadorov or a Chris Tanner. But I just feel like this is going to take a long time to percolate. Yeah, and I think especially because I, I really still think that from a strict flame standpoint, when I say wait and see, I think that's still where they are. I don't think that they have, I I don't think they've even made up their mind. I I think that this next 10, 11 game stretch, like into the game 20, 21, 22 type territory. I think this pocket right here is going to be really important in terms of them making a decision as to exactly which way they want to approach it. But because they haven't even made that call yet, in my in in my belief, yeah. Until you you can't even really start to truly lay groundwork for a trade until you've made that call because then you're gonna want to start really engaging Team X Y and Z and say, okay, we actually we're, we're now it's not just yeah you know like if if we were to say okay now there's a decent chance that let's just use Noah Hannafin's name as an example that Noah's on the trade block. And we are willing to part with this player. We are willing to move him because we don't believe that this is going to be a long-term thing here. So we're going to try to maximize a really good asset. Well, that's when you can start playing Dallas against Boston, against Los Angeles. Again, I'm just throwing names out there. Sure. And now you can, okay. Because I think the price for a Noah Hannafin should be somewhere in the first round pick plus another asset type of conversation. A young NHLer, a prospect, or another you know, top 60, top 90 pick type thing. Boom. So you you start having those conversations. And, yeah, well, Dallas is willing. So th- until, you, until you make the call that you're going to go down the road of trading one of the players, you can't even really lay the groundwork. And then you want to be patient and you want to slow play that too so you can get the best deal right. possible that's out there. And, and so if you're willing to be patient up to November 6th with this, if you were if you were willing because you didn't get the offers to bring unsigned players to camp and see where it went, then you have to be willing. If you're willing to be patient on November 6th, you got to be willing to be patient on January 6th and February 6th and right up, and, and I finally Googled it. Good on me. When is it? March 8th. 
Well, that's late. Yeah, so we literally have four months plus a couple of days before these decisions not have to be made, but before the trade has to be faxed or emailed into league office. And so I, I just think this is something kind of regardless of the results on the ice, this is something that, that is going to hang over the Calgary Flames for the next four months. For as long as Noah Hannafin remains unsigned, there's going to be a rumor that pops up, whether it's from one of the ace insiders, whether it's from someone that maybe doesn't seem quite so connected. There, There's going to be rumors connecting Oh, wow. What about Hannafin to here? Oh, you know, so-and-so just got injured. What about Hannafin to here? Oh, here's the list of scouts at the Saddledome tonight. I wonder if such-and-such such a team is looking at a Zadorov or such-and-such such a team is looking at a Kristanov. This is going to be reality for the Calgary Flames for the next few months. And that's how you're going to maximize the value of whatever chips you decide to cash in. What do you what do you make of my uh, Hannafin price if they were to go down that road? First round pick plus another future asset. Does that seem like a good price to set for a twenty six soon to be twenty seven year old defenseman with six hundred plus NHL games? Yeah, I I think without an extension, you're gonna without an extension in place. I, I think you're gonna have trouble pushing it past that. But yeah, if you're talking about uh, first round pick or equivalent, you know, preferably a, a prospect who was maybe a first round pick a year or two ago, if that team looks like they're going to be drafting in the twenties. So whether it's a fresh first rounder or a first round equivalent, plus another asset, I absolutely think that should be the ask. I just think if you're listening on your drive home or, or if you're listening on the pod thinking they should get double that, probably going to be tough to do fair i think realistically you can get that price that we the, yeah. the realist you need yeah, I think in all these do. cases all you need i say all you need like it's so simple you need a bidding war right you need two teams and this is another reason to keep it you know keep it sort of wide open until we get closer to march 8th which we all know is when the trade deadline is everybody knows that Especially you, me. You need a couple of teams that really need Noah Hannafin. You need a couple of teams that are are desperate to add some toughness to their back end and would really like Nikita Zadorov. You you want a couple teams who have figured out a way to make an Elias Lindholm transaction happen. You you need multiple suitors for these guys, and I I think you're in a really good position because in the four that we're probably going to talk most often about in Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, Nikita Zadorov, and Chris Tanev, you have a, a pretty interesting assortment of guys, right? You've got a center who a can put up some numbers offensively, but has been a Selkie trophy candidate. You have a defenseman in his mid twenties who skates like a deer and has gobs of NHL experience already and has proven the sort of, durability and versatility you're looking for in those big minute roles. Yep. You've got one of, of the NHL's best over the last decade or so defensive defensemen. Shut down D-man. Yeah. Right? One of those steady guys, one of those no-frills guys that you're always looking for 
leading into a playoff run. And and we just talked to Trent Cull about, you know, how nice it would be to add the sort of size that Adam Klapka has. Well, Nikita Zadorov brings the sort of size and snarl that is still hard to find and coveted in the NHL. And so you've got four really interesting pieces that you might be able to push to the center of the poker table and say, make us yeah. an offer. The uh, So I think that Hannafin price is realistic. On the uh, Zadorov front, remember Elliot Friedman suggested that Zadorov's name was kind of in play over the summer. I remember he uh, joined Vickers and I on the draft floor right after the Toffoli trade, after he broke the Toffoli trade. I'll never forget Elliot Friedman. It's a great story. Just bouncing around the, because nobody else was in there. We had this access to go do the show from the draft floor the day before round one. So literally it was Vickers, me, and a bunch of people setting up, you know, you hear the forklifts backing up. It was just like getting ready for draft day. Elliot was doing a rehearsal and then was just pacing and bouncing from spot to spot. Like, and I had texted Friedman. I'm like, Hey, I see you. Do you want to come on with us? He's like, when I was like, whatever. Like, how's this? He's like, I'll get back to you. And then Vickers and I are what? He's like, bouncy. He's like, he's here. And he sits down Then he's there. Then he sits down and he's like at the other side, like what? Is this how Freed's usually? And then, <laughs> and then he texts me. He goes, "Okay, can do five oh five, and check my Twitter." And I go, as he as he sends the text, check my Twitter. I get the alert from Elliot Tyler Toffoli's been traded in New Jersey. I'm like, oh, that's what he was doing. He was chasing a story. That's how. And it was awesome. So then he came over and did the hit. And so I remember he's like, "Also, I'm hearing Zadorov's name is in play." So that was a name that was out there in the summertime. And remember, Nikita told us in September when he sat down with us after the golf tournament and said, "Never really got to contract talks over the summer either." Right. So that's kind of where things. He sit told with me Zdorov. the same midway through training camp. Yeah. Yeah. That just never got to that point, right? And it just hasn't happened yet. Now he's still, and this is one of the things that I, I know teammates love about Nikita. He's still talking about how he wants to prove he should be signed long-term here, how he wants to prove that he can be part of, of the fix moving forward. And yet that's another guy, whether it's based on his age, whether it's based on just shuffling things after a season that's certainly so far not going the way you want whether it's maybe based on the sort of financial package he might be looking for. That's another chip that, that you might be playing in the lead up to the deadline. And there have been a few reports that uh, I believe it was Rick Dollywall uh, over at Donnie and Dolly in uh, Vancouver that uh, suggested that the initial contract talks between the Flames and Chris Tanev pretty far apart. And so there's some significant ground to bridge there. And as you talked about, I think, teams would be falling over themselves. If the Flames put Chris Tanev on the market closer to the trade deadline, you want to talk about Toronto. You want to talk about if Edmonton is in a better spot. You want to talk about Vancouver. Everybody, Vancouver has got their ears pinned back. Like, let's bring Tanny home. Uh, like, there's there's plenty of, and those are just three cities that, Dallas, are you kidding? The Dallas Stars want to win a Stanley Cup. You're telling me they wouldn't be all over that? The LA Kings want to win a Stanley Cup and get past round one. You're telling me they wouldn't be into that? Um, so there's, and, and then that's not even talking about some of the Eastern Conference teams. You're telling me Detroit's sitting second in the Atlantic right now? You're telling me the Red Wings wouldn't be all over something like that? So I just, you could name, if there were 20 teams fighting for a playoff spot come March 8th when we all know the trade deadline is, 
I bet you all 20 teams would be into Chris Tanev because why wouldn't you be? I watched a team lose 7 nothing the other night in Vegas that uh, probably hasn't you know, started to think any differently about their Stanley Cup chances that could probably use a Chris Tanev too. They can't help Edmonton, though. Can't. Back to the last part of that Fridge clip. They can't help Edmonton, can they? Only if it's a really, really, really good deal. Like right now, I know that they made the, was the Schmied deal they made? They yeah, made the Ste- Steos. Steos was the first one, right? Steos for... Steos for Aaron Johnson? That sounds right. Is that correct? That sounds and right. And then uh, Schmied for so Laurent Sh- Brossois? Roman Horak, those How are the am I two. Th- those are the two that went there, and it was Schmid and uh, Olivier Waugh that yes. came back the other Goal way. Goaltender, yeah, yeah. Look at us with our not bad, eh? Steel trap. This must brains. be good radio. We're basically playing trivia with each other. Just going back to look. So yes, it was um, Aaron Johnson and a third for Steos. Steos, yeah, right. And Aaron Johnson was that was just sort of moving a roster player yep. up. Yeah, it was essentially operating as the the seventh defenseman, maybe the eighth at that point. I thought actually Steos was a pretty good flame. That was mm-hmm. the Steos was the first ever p- trade. Peter Marr, I remember vividly. Peter Marr was like, "I don't think there's ever been a trade between the Flames and Oilers." And when Marr says it, you're like, "Well, there's probably never been a trade between the Flames and Oilers." Right? Thing. He's like, "I just I don't want to go with it yet." But as soon as it happened, I remember he either emailed or texted Rob and he goes, I don't think there's ever been a trade between the flames and Oilers. Like, let me get back to you. Goes into his, into his notes and like, Nope, it's never been a certainly trade. not an in season one. And I don't think one period. No, there have, that was the first yeah. ever battle of Alberta trade. And then a few years later was the right. Uh, and now obviously there's been a third one with Luch and Neil and sure. Um, but you still, yeah, I you're mean, ahead of the Oilers in the standings. You, that that's that's a team that you desperately would love to keep behind you if you're going to get back into this playoff mix. You don't want to help the Oilers get back in the playoff mix. Not yet. You're not trading not yet, half into the Oilers. Come on. No. Any any trade you ultimately make with the Oilers, and I'd say the same about the Vancouver Canucks. You're you know you're you're sort of holding your nose as you do it. But if that's where the best offer is, and and I think that's what we've we've seen more and more, not just in the NHL, but other sports in recent years. If that's where the best offer is. Agreed. And I, I, I do agree with, I'm just more trying to stir the pot on the Oilers front. Could they get Aaron Johnson back? Maybe. Yeah. Laurent Brassois has gone on to have a pretty good NHL career. Yeah. Stanley cup winner. Like I had a pretty good career. Absolutely. Um, what about how would you hold your nose as a fan? If, it's Vancouver. Like, would it be less of a nose holding if you dealt with the Canucks in season? I think so. But Vancouver's off to a hell of a start. Yeah. That might be a team that you need to track down if, if maybe they cool off a little bit. Do you really want to help them? They already have revamped their blue line significantly to, to this point. And I know it's early, but far more successfully than I thought it was going to look. I, I give the Canucks credit. They've... Uh, They've been able to exceed my relatively low expectations for them. Well, I think one of the keys, and, and don't get me wrong, Chris Tanev is not a, a little-known commodity. Everyone knows how effective Chris Tanev is as an NHLer, but there's probably not a city outside of Calgary where 
he's valued more than he would be in Vancouver. They were devastated when he left. Like Canucks fans were pissed. Absolutely. And, and so if that sort of familiarity helps you get a better package out of the Canucks because they know what a perfect fit he could be, go for it, right? I, I know there's been some rumblings about who Brad Treliving might want to bring on the blue line to Toronto. If that familiarity helps you get a better offer, you got to go for it. I mean, Conroy and the Flames are in Toronto this week. Yeah? Go grab a steak. Hey, hey, you know what? You left me with a tough situation. The best you can do like, is just overpay for Hannafin or Tanev. Like, really overpay. Yeah, it's only fair. A few texts. Um, Tanev for McDavid, one for one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, now, now I'm now now you've got my attention. Yeah. Maybe I maybe the Flames would accept that. Would would that be a first round pick equivalent? Probably close, eh? close anyway. Yeah, uh, Vladar for Drexel. I'll have to Google him, but I I'd consider it. Text lines on Vladar for Drysaddle and Tanev for McDavid. These are the these are the trades that Flames fans would be accepting to make with the Oilers. Uh, this reads, uh, boys, upon hearing what was discussed on 32 Thoughts, my initial thoughts traded to the Oilers was no leaping way in hell. Upon further reflection, if they were to trade with them, what would they require from other teams would double where the Oilers is concerned? So, for example, Big Z should draw at least a first rounder with no top 10 protection clause. Craig Conroy should not exercise any mercy and fleece them for everything they have and will have. Ken Holland is desperate. I don't mind that thought. Uh, this from Peter. Why would you help the Oilers if they succeed? Their first round pick is high 20s. Uh, this says Edmonton would need to pay a premium on top of a premium for myself to find it acceptable to help them out with their pursuit of a cup. That's from Matt and Cochran. So there you go. Not a lot of love for that potential idea, but I'm with you. If it's the best deal, yeah, it's the, like if you're going to hit a home run on a deal, I do think you have to be okay with the taboo of trading in the division or trading in your region or trading sure. in this case in your province. So, so far we've seen no evidence that it's going to be one Alberta team pushing the other one over the top this year, Hey, but it's early. They got five wins combined. That's a nice round number. Yuck, I don't even know. Sarah Valley's joining us on Tuesday's show as he always does. Yeah, I know that his show on Monday the first thing they talked about is like, is a coaching change coming in Edmonton? Oof. Oof. I was not expecting. Well, I'm not, I'm not, not enjoying it, but I was not expecting that to start the season in our provincial capital. I mean, they, they could use a uh, button pusher like Daryl. I made that joke earlier today. What about Ken Hitchcock? Have they ever tried that? Dave Tippett? Uh, Todd McClellan. It's ringing a bell. It's ringing a bell. Todd's, Todd's doing lots in Los Angeles, so he's not on the market. Um, there you go. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. You're locked on Flames Talk. Only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, as we roll on on a Monday, it's time to take a look at the future of the Flames. It's brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. 
fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they believe they can give patients more time, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, along with you. And uh, as we do on the Future of the Flames each week, we check in with the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, the number one affiliate of the Flames, as uh, Trent Call joins us right now. Wranglers, one nothing winners over San Jose on Friday afternoon than a 4-1 loss to that same Barracuda team on Sunday afternoon. 6-1-1 to start the season for the first eight games are the Wranglers. Uh, Trent, good to talk to you as always. How are we doing today? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Doing very well and uh, appreciate the time as always. How uh, how do you look back at this weekend? A win and a loss for your group at home. How do you uh, kind of sum it up for your team? Well... We don't like losing. So, I mean, first of all, you know, it's, uh, we're something we're not used to and don't want to get used to. So, but, uh, yeah, but just in reflection, uh, the first night we won a one nothing game. Um, you know, I probably don't need to tell you guys that our, our team has changed a little bit. Uh, and, uh, (laughs) and that's in it for great reasons. You know what I mean? So, uh, so we're struggling to find some offense and then, uh, and then the secondary night, same kind of thing. We outchanced the other team, but just couldn't uh, find the back of the net when we needed to. And unfortunately, they came out, uh, got some timely goals to start the third, and then we were chasing them around the third. Uh, we got one, but that wasn't enough. I think we almost went five, almost five minutes straight with either six on five or six on four to try to get uh, to get it close, but couldn't get it done. I, I do want to ask because you, you talk right off the hop. You say, "Well, we lost. We don't like losing." And and you know, on the outside, it's the first loss of the season. You're six one and one, and you know, you're like, "Well, you, you don't win every game." But I'm I'm curious internally and in, in your group. Do you do you like the way that they reacted to the loss? Did it did it feel like, hey, you know, this this pissed us off? And and did you get the type of response in the room that you were looking for following Sunday's game? You know what? I mean, whether it be good or bad, it's not my motto uh, to go in there after losses uh, just because um, sometimes it's just not the right things are said in in that kind of emotional charged uh, time. You know what I mean? So I think it's best always that, and that's probably most of the time on my side, right? So I don't want to say something out of emotion that would, would, you know, hurt someone, you know what I mean? So that's why I always find it's better to take some time, reflect, to make sure you're addressing the team in the right uh, manner. And I'm sure for those guys too, you know, they're fired up. They're, they're competitive, they're emotional and, and passionate too. So. I, I do. You, you mentioned how the group has changed and, and you take a look at the weekend uh, you, what that's two thirds of the top line that you had to start the season, not playing with Zarian Pospisil up. You, you don't have Poirier for a while here. And, and one of your top defensemen, Nick D Simone also up with the flames. And, and, you know, we know that's the nature of the American league and, and you know, much better than we do. That's the nature of the league, but it's, it is also some early season adversity for your group. Do you, do you like getting that early on? Is is that something that can help a group in the early stages of a season? Well, you know what? It's opportunity. It's it's always it's opportunity now for other guys to step up and be the guys, you know. And uh, we had some guys playing some really good hockey. And I mean, uh, probably going back, just telling you my mindset, two weeks ago, uh, I thought we were too loose up in Abbotsford and we, we gave up too much. And we also lost JP. So, you know, we came back and after that week, we're like, 
we really had to fine tune our defense. We really spent a lot of time working on, you know, in the American league, you have that kind of almost like a week of practice early in the October. So in, in November, so yeah. it's a great time to get after those things. And I really liked the last two weeks, even, even though we lost the other day, like, I mean, defensively, we've been pretty good, you know, the last two weeks, but one thing that is difficult to do is, is sparking offense. And when you lose some guys that are really hitting their strides and playing really well for you, and you're putting other guys in those situations, you're hoping that they're going to take that, that brass ring, so to speak, and, and run with it, right? So so right now we just got to find those guys to, you know, take charge of those situations and, and, and you know, hopefully, like, take control of our team kind of thing. And, and that's what I love the opportunity of it happening, you know, like you said, at, near the start of the year. Was uh, listening to you talk to us post game on Friday following the win, where uh, Matt Coronado had the only goal to help your team to that one nothing victory. Gets four shots in the game against San Jose on Sunday. Just now that you've seen his first six periods in the American League, what uh, what have you noticed? What have you observed with Matt Coronado on your group? Yeah, no, you know, we played him in all situations. Uh, he played a ton there on Sunday. We're down, you know, that was, you know, we're hoping for some offense from, from our group too. So, but no, he seems like a, he's a, he's good on the puck. He plays with some energy, you know, and, and we like him offensively for, for those guys. It's really difficult. And I'll say this about both him and Jordan, like when you haven't played in the American league, either one for five over five years and the other one's never played in the American league, you know, you're throwing you into a bunch of different guys and different situations and, and how we're playing uh, is, isn't much different than Calgary, but specialty teams and et cetera, those things are going to be probably different or coached a little bit different. So, um, but those are things that it's a big adjustment for those guys. So you, you can never, it was great that Matt got the goal on the first night and I thought he played well both nights. But it's going to take those guys some real, I think, a few more games, I would say four to six games where they're kind of up and running with their team and we're kind of getting the max out of those guys. But, I mean, open weekend, I thought those guys had a good weekend for us. For a guy who started the season in the NHL, made the group out of camp, and and then joins your group, just what uh, how, how motivated did you get the sense that, that Matt was joining your group uh, late last week? Oh, I don't think motivation is an issue at all there. I mean, I, I think he's got an opportunity to play probably a lot more minutes. Uh, and I think that's, that's everybody enjoys that, right? So it's a way to kind of, I guess, fully kind of round out your game. And I think it's going to be a great for us. We didn't have a ton of, like, he came down on Friday morning and we played Friday at 1 o'clock. So I think this is going to be a great week for Matt. Uh, we get to have two uh, full practice days and a travel day, and then we're playing on the road in San Diego on Friday. So I think this will be a good week for him to kind of get acclimated and uh, and for us to kind of get be able to dig in with him and, and try to make him as ease, uh, feel at ease and also as comfortable with his, with the new group. You also mentioned uh, Jordan, who uh, Jordan Osterley, who hasn't been in the American League for a little while as well. He jumps onto your group as well. What uh, what does having uh, a veteran with you know triple digit NHL games under his belt? What does adding a player like Jordan Osterley do for your group with a lot of youth and and you know some some inexperience in there? Yeah, no, it's good. It's great. It's uh, I mean he's a guy who went instantly onto a power play. You know he's smooth really kind of a great skater actually just very fluid in how he moves around he moves pucks really well too so so it's great you know what i mean he, he gets in there and and really uh not to uh downplay but like we had d simone who was playing really well too so it's kind of like he fits right into to d simone's spot and but again i still think it doesn't matter it's odd to say this and it's not like out of uh, arrogance or, or ego it's 
you know, from going from the NHL and then coming back to the American League. Like, it's different. It's yeah. different for these guys to play that game. And so it's going to take them a little bit to kind of find their exact spots, their niche, and then be able to excel at it. You know, and that's why I said it usually takes them like, you know, four to six games, kind of around two weeks. We are chatting with Trent Cull. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Joins us Mondays on Flames Talk. It's Pat and Wes Gilbertson with you today, Wes. Trent, it's not all that often that we see a a player score in the first period of his NHL debut. It's certainly not often that we see it twice in one week. So maybe take us inside the the Cull family bonus room or TV room to to see Connor Zary and, and then Martin Pospisil score both early in their NHL debuts. What uh, what did that mean to someone who's helped them get to this point? That was awesome. I uh, I was openly cheering, like, uh, you know, yeah, very happy for both of them, you know what I mean? Because uh, I knew that, you know, Connor, uh, I just thought he looked great. You know, he, he jumped in there and had a great first night. It was at home. It just seemed like it was a kind of a perfect storm, so to speak. And I remember even seeing him. I'm like, he's going back to the net. I'm like, get that puck towards the net and then seeing it happen. So that was great. And not only that, he didn't stop there. He kept playing really well, too, you know. And then to see, you know, uh, Martin is a guy that, you know, you hear, like, hasn't had the easiest transition, you know. And he only played, I think, like 12 games last year and injuries, et cetera. And so I came in, I thought, you know, started out camp and, you know, played a couple of preseason games. But has just been really, really solid for us in the American League. And and, uh, and I was happy to him to get the opportunity and then for him to go up and just, he was just, he just did what he was been doing, you know, driving the net, playing hard, forechecking well down here, did the exact same thing there, kind of what we had hopefully uh, foreshadowed to do. And uh, it's just great. I, I, for me, I'm really proud to see those guys do so well. And, but the great thing is they, they help the Flames get out of a funk and, and help them win a game in Seattle, which I thought was fantastic. What does it do for, for the rest of the guys on your roster, the guys who, who are hoping to make that jump? When they see, and it's not just Connor and Martin, you know, it could be Ilya Soloviev, it could be Nick DeSimone with the first point of his NHL career on Saturday. When when your players see guys go up and, and have an impact and look like they fit in at the NHL level, what does that do to everyone else in, in terms of making them feel maybe like it could be close to a reality for them? Well, you know what? I, I was kind of hoping for more out of our guys, to be honest. But the guys, like I said to you about, there's opportunity there. And I thought that uh, I, I still think that that's some stuff that we're going to have to work through over the next 48 hours and talking about that with our group. But, like, sometimes maybe we got to slap them in the face with that a little bit. Like, hey, like, this could be you next, you know? And I think that that's sometimes, you know, guys got to put that on their on their radar sometimes that if I, if I start getting myself playing really well and, and maxing out whatever I can possibly do, like I have a chance. And I think that that is, that is what sometimes we, I think as coaches, as our staff, we have to remind them, you know what I mean? Like what, what's going on right now? Because I thought, like I said to you before, or I'd said before in the interview, like this is a great opportunity for some of the guys on our team. You know, we maybe lose some of the leaders that we had here, and now all of a sudden there's the new, I guess you'd say, like the second wave. Well, take advantage of that. Grab a hold of it and run with it, you know. And so I think that's something that we're going to have to make sure that we're promoting within our group this week for sure. Is that as simple as just stressing it in a, a meeting or a, a chit-chat during practice? Like, is that just as simple as sort of making sure that's not lost on them? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a great reminder. and I think it's a great motivator, you know, because – 
like I like I said, like in my eyes, talking to the staff, like someone's got to look around the room, and and that's what we're gonna have to remind. Like, look around the room, like one years is going next. You know what I mean? And so like like be that guy. You know, like be be excited to be that guy and take a hold of your opportunity that comes to you because these only come by so so many times. Like there's injuries up top with the Flames, which we understand, and and then also too, it's a great time because. The guys that are playing really well here are going up and playing well for the Flames, and they're getting ice time and they're getting opportunity. Like that's why I think it's going to be a great talk tomorrow. Just talking about that and making sure that we all realize that. And uh, I don't know whether you know. I thought we were fine on the Friday. Uh, I didn't think we were as good as we could have been on Sunday. That's for sure. And I don't know if we're a little bit complacent or all of a sudden looking at the standings and thinking a little bit more of ourselves. But I think it's a good time for us to self-correct and get ourselves back on track. You talked about the the four check with Martin Pospisil, the the sort of awareness he brings on both sides of the puck. I'm I'm going to ask you about Connor Zary again. When when you watch him in in two games so far with the Flames, what what do you notice in terms of you know when you think to yourself, yeah, I recognize this guy. This is the exact guy I was watching for the first six games of this season at the AHL level. What are those sort of hallmarks of Connor's game? You know what, a guy who wants the puck. You know, and I seeing that at the NHL level, like nothing changed for him, whether it's the AHL or the NHL, like he wants the puck and we want guys who want the puck. So in other words, they want to be able to make plays. And I thought Connor showed exact, I thought he was confident and uh, he was really good. I think with the puck and in his abilities. Also, I didn't think speed of, of the game was an issue for him in any context of catching up or mentally. I know he can certainly think it at that pace. And I know that, too, that uh, he's a good forechecker as well. You know, he's not maybe as uh, big of a strong guy as Marty or, or physical, but he's got a great stick. You know what? He's around it. He's, he's heavy on that puck, and he really wants the puck. And that's where I, I thought probably both games you've seen him have really good opportunities or create something. And that's the same way as he was here. For me, I was saying that he was kind of the straw down here. He was the straw kind of starting to drink, so to speak. And uh, it was nice to see him carry that on, I thought. Just a few more with Wranglers head coach Trent Cull on this Monday. I, I just wanted to ask you about one more player that you uh, have seen all year with your group, and that is Adam Klapka. Uh, he's got seven points in eight games to start his season with your group. And, you know, you're, you're still getting to know him, and, and you're still uh, getting a, a read on his game. But tell us about what Adam has brought to your group and, and how you would evaluate his first eight games of the season. Yeah, you know what? I think he's he's doing really well. I think he's a guy that probably, like, I have to do a better job of keeping him on track of his identity of being that big, strong guy who who can really uh, can really skate well. Uh, once he gets moving, like, he can be a dynamic forechecker, and that's something that I need to keep reminding him because I think he's most successful when he's doing playing that way. And that, what I mean by that is speed to the neutral zone, getting himself in onto the forecheck, putting pucks in a good spot, and it doesn't take away from his offense because it's been really good too. He he finds a way to to get over the line and get good shots off. But more more, uh, I guess I would say hitting the net with his pucks. And uh, he's played a little bit of PK, not a ton, but he's done a lot of good things. And so I think that he's on the right track. He's a he's a second year guy who's big, who's strong, who's can do so much. He's got such a long reach too. So I think he's a guy who. Working on his consistency will put himself into a good spot, I think, with with the Flames. He, uh, it really is a unique kind of blend of, that's a, 
That is a large man, but he has got some skill and and he skates well. Like you don't you don't see all of those things together with someone necessarily of his size, do you? No, and that's you know what, and I, I really I, I like what he can bring, and, and for a free agent, like what a, what a great pickup by the Flames, and then and for and just see his growth, I guess over the last year, the you guys would see him longer than me, and and but just to see where he's at, you know, you're hoping that that just is going to keep evolving, right? And so that's what I would say, as it is with almost every first year guy, second year guy is bringing your consistency level, being there like night in, night in, uh, night in, night out, and then shift in and shift out. And that's the biggest difference a lot of the times between guys in the American League and the NHL. Obviously, sometimes there's premier skill there too, but if you can bring that consistency level up, I think that'll be the focus for sure with Adam as we move along here. Last one for you, Trent, and that's uh, the weekend ahead. You mentioned it. You got San Diego Friday and then the Coachella Valley on Saturday, both on the road. Uh, first weekend that you haven't played the same team in both games. Just uh, look ahead and uh, what uh, what strikes you as the challenges of your uh, Friday-Saturday set in California? Uh, you know what? Obviously a little bit of travel, which is great. Uh, we like that, but... Uh, the challenges will be within our own room. It'll be interesting to see how we can, you know, like I think we'll right back to the start of our conversation of who's going to step forth, who's going to find a way to create more for our group, be really good defensively yet, but we're going to have to try to find a way to create more offense. Like you're not going to win. We're not going to stay on this winning kind of uh, scheme of things, scoring one goal every night. Right. So that's a, that's a lot of pressure to put on our defense and our goaltending. So, we're going to have to find a way within to create. And uh, that'll be our, our quest over the next three days and traveling, et cetera. And, uh, and I can't wait to see, like, someone's going to step forth and, and start bringing it. And it's going to be awesome for someone to jump a hold of that opportunity. Trent, as always, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it with us on this uh, Monday. We'll talk to you again next week, hey? All right. Thanks, Pat. You guys take care. All right. Thanks, Trent. That is uh, Trent Call. He is the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. He joins us Mondays. It's the future of the Flames brought to you by Oncoletics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they believe they can give patients more time, visit OncoliticsBiotech.com. A Wranglers team. I, I loved it. Like, first thing. We don't like to lose. And, you know, on the outside, they're like, wow, you're 6-1-1. One one. Like, yeah, losses are going to happen, but that was the first thing. He's not happy about that and didn't like the way they played. And uh, now, as you heard right as he wrapped it up there, it's all about, okay, now, didn't I thought it was fascinating when you asked him about, did it fire up the rest of the group? He said, I don't think it did it the way we wanted it to, yeah. basically to paraphrase. And now that's what he's looking for this weekend in California. Really fascinating stuff, right? And, and he's right, like, Look, somebody's somebody's going to be next, and, and or somebody has an opportunity to be next. Somebody has an opportunity to be in that competition, even if one of the other guys ends up back down there. And so, how are you going to put yourself at the front of that line? And and I think, you know, from my vantage point, the Martin Pospisil recall is so fascinating because he wasn't maybe the most obvious guy. Yes, he was off to a good start, but. This isn't a guy who has been on everybody's list of top Flames prospects for the past three or four years. This isn't a guy like Connor Zary who seemed to be banging on the door. This is a guy who was rewarded based especially on what he's done in the past several weeks. And so if you are Adam Klapka or Emilio Pedersen or Ben Jones, you know, pick 
pick your guy, pick your position. If if you're that guy and you think if I can get hot here, that might springboard me to an NHL opportunity. Yeah. I'm fascinated. I, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that discussion that Trent Call said he wants to have with his team tomorrow. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Trent joins us every Mondays here. Uh, every Mondays. Every Monday here on Flames Talk. He joins us Mondays or he joins us every Monday. Just, you know, as long as it's Mondays without the apostrophe, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah, that would be that would be correct. No, no apostrophe. <laughs> Look, grammar's tough, all right? Mondays are tough. Mondays are tough. Uh, Pat, Wes, Wes is on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson as this is the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.